Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors. Thank you to everybody for joining us for this afternoon's webinar. We're really pleased to give you an update on our half-year progress and we'll take you through some slides. First of all, just want to point you towards a disclaimer, which is a standard disclaimer, so please have a look at that. And if we just talk a little bit about what we're going to go through over the next 20 minutes and then take questions, we'll start with a bit of a summary. We'll talk a little bit about the work that we do. Steve will then talk more about our financial and ESG results, and then I'll talk a little bit about the sort of look ahead to the market conditions. Before we go into the detail, I mean, essentially the framing for this is that we started this year with a new vision and a three-year strategic plan. And that was really centered around simplifying the business, improving the way that the business operates and focusing on two areas, so digital transformation and digital experience. And we're very pleased with the operational results that have been achieved in the first half of this year and also um, on the progress we've made towards the three-year plan. So on the slide in front of you, we've got a summary of some key statistics. So the first one is revenue for the first six months at 41.6 million. That's up 22% on a like-for-like -like basis, so compared with the first half of 2023. Our adjusted EBITDA margin as well, we've improved that. It's currently 4.8%. The same for the period last year was 2.6%. And our new business wins, helped by two large contract wins we've previously announced, is 105 million for the first half of the year. Net debt is also coming down, and I'll leave Steve to pick that up in his section in a few minutes. What's really important to us is that we have got improved financial results, and we're very proud of that. But we're also very proud of the business that we run and are lucky enough to be able to lead and the sense of purpose that the people in that business have. We've got some ESG metrics here on the slide, and Steve will go through them in more detail later. But the reason they're important is that they are the reason that a lot of people come to work at TPX Impact. It helps us to attract and retain staff. As you can see, our staff retention rate is 86%, which is actually, in my view, very healthy for a business like ours. So you will always get some turnover of staff, but 86% is very good. And also in terms of the balance and diversity across our business, for example, there, our female representation has gone up by a couple of percent compared to last year. We've also been able to reduce our carbon footprint. Steve can talk a little bit more about that and how some of our changes to our hubs have supported that. I'm not going to dwell on this slide because I think most of you will have seen it before. But this is, in summary, our sort of three-year strategy, and it's really the strategy around how the business itself transforms and changes. So we're really in focus and balance at the moment. And this was about getting the business to be a better balance between those elements that were really focused on purpose and those elements that were more focused on commercial outcomes. So we've got a couple of bullets here which just sort of summarize the key achievements, if you like, in the first six months of this year. So as I've already mentioned, two significant contracts. That's really important because it underpins our sort of book of business, not just for this year, but for future years as well. The new London hub, we've brought people together in the building that we're in now. We previously were in two hubs in London. 
This was, from an economic standpoint, a really good move, but it also allows a really good space for our people to come together and for us to bring in clients. One of the things that I was pleased we managed to achieve quite so rapidly was the sale of Questers and the disposal of TPX Impact Norway. Both businesses were very good businesses, but they don't fit with the core strategic direction of the business, which is to build a digital transformation business and a digital experience business. And Questus has a new owner who's got the ability to invest and spend time on their growth. In terms of Norway, that's now being run by the partners of the Norwegian business. And that actually frees up a lot of our management time to focus on what we should be doing, which is focusing on those two core businesses. Um, we've also improved the business in terms of things like certifications that require to trade. I've also already talked about the retention rate. It's worth just mentioning that we've also engaged team members around new values, packed values, which stand for purpose, accountability, craft and togetherness. And those relate very strongly to the three-year strategic plan we just put up. Employee satisfaction has remained pretty consistent. It's improved very slightly. I'm pretty happy with that because we've actually gone through quite a lot of change. You know, uh, undertaking disposals is not easy. And I'm pleased that employee engagement has stayed where it is and also employee retention has improved. We've continued to hire and improve permanent and contract headcount. And again, Steve will pick up a little bit of that when he talks about how gross margin has changed. And the last point is quite significant because uh, we've got a lot of increased cross-working between different parts of the business. Particularly with the future digital transformation business, we've got good cross-working now between our data and insights division and our consulting division, which will be the platform for that business. So that makes any future changes easier. So if we go on to the next slide, I'd just like to touch on a little bit on making a difference. And it's really the work that we do, which is, as I said at the beginning, the reason why people turn up to work at TPX Impact and the businesses that sit within it. So here are some examples of our people coming together. At the top left, we've got the design meetup. We have a really strong user-centered design capability. It's growing very rapidly and has grown very rapidly. We've also launched this year an academy, so we can actually bring people in and help train them up, which is really important to uh, sort of sustaining our own staffing and bringing new interests and new skills into the organization. Uh, at the bottom there, Breast Cancer Now, a long-standing client, really important client of ours on a very important mission to eradicate breast cancer in the UK, and we're really proud to be able to support them. And on the right-hand side at the bottom, we've got the Trussell Trust, and they are actually our charity for the end of this year. So we have a charity give where people are putting in time, and we also make small donations towards the Trussell Trust, which is one of the largest food bank providers in the UK. So examples there of how our teams come together. I talked at the beginning about two business areas, so digital transformation and digital experience. We've got a couple of case studies here just to illustrate the sort of work we do in those areas. So the first one here, Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities, sometimes short to DLUC. They've been a long-term client. Prior to us winning the work with His Majesty's Land Registry and Department for Education, this was our largest client in TPX. have uh, now been balanced out by the other two. On the right-hand side, Department for Education, this is a really interesting client for us because TPX and its predecessor organizations have had a long relationship in improving the sort of development of teachers. We did really good work, which allowed us to compete very effectively for the £27.5 million two-year contract, which we secured. 
And actually going on from that, we've just won some work supporting schools in terms of climate change. And that's actually going to be mentioned at Friday at the COP event. So we're really proud of that as well. Just moving on to digital experience. Uh, the Zoological Society of London, you may know better as the people who run London Zoo. We've been supporting them with sort of a digital transformation and customer engagement. With breast cancer now that I mentioned at the start, again, we have a real opportunity to partner to make a real impact and a real difference. And there we've been working on their event sites and that's improved signups. And, you know, as an illustration of the sort of impact and the sort of results we can help, the afternoon tea, which is one of their events to raise income, they managed to raise 20% more income this year. So really proud of those associations. Steve, would you like to talk a little bit about financial and ESG? Sure. Thanks very much. And good afternoon, everybody. Here's some key facts and figures around our performance in the first half. All of these figures exclude Questers and Norway from the first half of both this and the prior year. So you have a like-for-like -like comparison. As Bjorn said at the outset, revenue of 41.6 million in the first half was up 22% on a like-for-like -like basis against last year, with some acceleration in the second quarter, which I'll touch on in a second. From a profit perspective, adjusted EBITDA was more than double what it was in the first half of last year at £2 million and the margin at 4.8% up substantially. In terms of other metrics on PBT, earnings per share, progress against last year. On a reported statutory basis, there was a loss of 9 million, largely due to, as you'll see in a minute, the impact of an impairment charge in relation to Goodwill on Red Cortex, an acquisition from a couple of years ago, largely due to challenges they found or encountered in the health sector in Wales, which requires to take an impairment hit. In the middle of the bottom row, our committed backlog revenue in respect of this year now amounts to around 90% of full year revenues, giving us a solid foundation to back up our forecast for the balance of year. From a cash and net debt perspective, we're well in ahead of our covenants, uh, which were reset in June. Comfortable headroom there. Net debt at the end of the period is 12.8 million. Pounds, again, 17 and a half at the start of the half, largely due to the proceeds of the sale of Questers. We're still targeting progress on that for the second half of the year to a level of somewhere in the range of 11 to 12 million by the end of March. A little bit more colour on that revenue figure, as you can see on the left-hand side, how our progression forms up against last year. And if we hit our 15 to 20% growth target, for the current year, that should put us in the range of 80 to 85 million pounds on a full year basis for revenue. On the right hand side, you can see the progression quarter by quarter in terms of revenue growth, 7% in the first quarter of this year and 38% in Q2, largely driven by those central government wins at the back end of last year and early in this. And the third quarter has started reassuringly with 42% revenue growth in the month of October. In terms of by business, this is how it breaks out from a revenue basis in the first half of the year. So two thirds of revenues now sitting in the consulting business, 13% in DX, and the rest fairly evenly distributed amongst the other three businesses. Note Red Cortex, which I referred to a moment ago, is 6% of revenues. In terms of that reconciliation from that reportable loss, 
to our headline or adjusted EBITDA numbers, amortization and depreciation on our intangible assets primarily in line with last year, a little bit ahead. 5.6 million is the impairment charge I referred to an accounting non-cash adjustment. Restructuring costs of 0.7 million, which is about half the level of last year, and share-based payments of 0.5 million, largely due to share plan awards at the back half of last year. And that gives you a 2 million pound adjusted EBITDA number for the first half. In terms of some of the ESG statistics and headcount on the top left, we saw headcount in total, including contractors, remain at around 700 people at the end of the first half, as well as at the start, 31st of March. But that reflects quite a shift in mix. So uh, like-for-like permanent headcount was up to 535, which is about 9%, whereas contractors declined in number by around 20% overall. Net-net, that's effectively 46 jobs created of FTE. So a shift there from contractors to perps with an associated margin benefit as the year progresses. Representation improving against the first half of last year on both an ethnic minority basis and a female basis as well. In terms of carbon footprint, we were down 7% against the first half of last year to 735 tonnes. And those metrics by employee and per million pound of revenue both improving, largely driven by our move to the Hickman building, a much more sustainable environment in which to work than the offices that we had. And secondly, the dispersal of Questers in September had some impact too. Uh, Looking forwards, we'd expect that number to improve even further in the second half. So in terms of market conditions and outlook, if we look ahead, the digital transformation market remains a very exciting place to be. Tech market view are still predicting mid-single-digit CAGA, so compound annual growth rates, particularly around central government for the next few years. We see a lot of opportunity there. We think that the offering that we have is well aligned with that market need. In terms of next year or in terms of the next 12 months or so, there will be a general election. And that does tend to cause short-term disruption in public sector-facing organisations. Uh, What we're doing to prepare for that is a couple of things, really. One is that we've invested heavily in some of the systems, the business information, management information we have, particularly in our consulting business, which we're now rolling out to other businesses. So our data and insights business, for example, switched to that at the beginning of the week. That allows us to look forward in a better way, look at our pipeline, look at our forecast utilisation and manage gross margins on engagement and actually even an individual level. So we can also balance that employee and contractor mix. We've also been looking on the second part of that at the manifestos, the emerging policy positions of the two main parties and just looking for the alignment between the services we offer and the direction of travel of those two parties. We're pleased to see there's a heavy emphasis still on digital transformation and technology as a way of actually improving service delivery and also improving efficiency in government. So we see great opportunity there. In our digital experience business, we also see opportunity to grow that. We see businesses very much completed this year, the sort of integration of three agencies into a single business and the team is operating very well together and we see good prospects for that business over the coming years as well. In terms of our current trading, we've just been through where we are at the first half. As Steve mentioned, we've got a backlog, which is roughly around 90% of our full year revenue. 
our pipeline, now that we have gone through the mobilization of those two large contracts, we're seeing our pipeline growing, which is essentially a greater focus by us on the market. So we're encouraged by that. We're encouraged by the backlog. So we're very confident of meeting our targets for this year of 15 to 20% revenue growth and 5 to 6% adjusted EBITDA margin. Our focus remains very much on operating the business in a very sort of professional way, continuing to simplify and improve the business over the coming months. We really want to retain that balance between purpose and the impact we generate, because that's very important to our clients and our team members, and it does help us in the market, uh, but also balance that with improving uh, commercial outcomes. At the moment, we've just started actually our business planning and budgeting processes for next year, which start with the market and move all the way through to the financials. And at the moment, we're keeping our targets for next year as growth of 10 to 15% and improvement in margin of 2 to 3%. So we feel we're well on track for our three-year plan and the outcomes there of the sort of revenue and margin outcomes that we put onto that. So the only other thing to say is that one of the questions we often get asked is about AI and generative AI. We have a toolkit. We have been engaged in lots of client conversations around that, particularly in the government sector. There's a lot of interest. We see things like the AI innovation unit being stood up. And we would expect those parts of government to start having budgets to spend on AI in the new year. And at the moment, we've also been employing AI ourselves. So we now have an AI-based chatbot, which allows our team members to interrogate any of our policies and actually get answers to their questions. So we're actually using the technology ourselves. We're talking to lots of clients about it. At the moment, we still see it as emerging, but we can see that's a source of opportunity into the next year. So I think that's at the end of our presentation. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you found it informative and we're really happy to answer any questions that you have. First question, well done in turning the business around. The margin level of 7% next year seems low when it was 14.6% in 2022. Is there any reason why it can't get back to where it was sooner? Um, so we we set out in our three-year plan that we would try to get to 10 to 12% uh, EBITDA margin, just the EBITDA margin at the end of that three years. Um, some of that, the reason why that takes a while to go through is we, we are continuing to simplify the business. We have a stock of work already in the business. And as we improve the business um, and simplify it, we expect to improve those margins. Um, some of the large contracts we won in the last year have a sort of taper arrangement on them. So we had existing uh, suppliers, particularly in the technology space. And over time, we have arrangements in place where we undertake more of that work, which again will improve uh, gross margin. Um, the plan we're undertaking uh, to progressively pay down debt and progressively increase gross margin, we think is achievable. Um, next year, there will be you know, a general election um, we are, to a certain extent, bucking the trend in this first half of the year against some of our market peers in terms of growing the business. So we think at the moment we're going to stick with the guidance that we've set out and continue to do our, you know, continue to improve and develop the business. I don't know, Steve, if you want to add. I, I just that. add that uh, at the same time as the EBITDA margin being higher in, in historically, so was as related to that, so is gross margin. 
uh, which is historically around 30%. Obviously, we're around 26, 27% at the moment. We have seen some progression in the first half, although it's still less than it was a year ago. Um, the mix of perms and contractors I referred to is quite key to improving that for the vast majority of our business, whilst retaining the flex in order to manage the business appropriately. And certain parts of the business uh, have a greater dependency on contractors than others. At the same time, utilization rates we've seen improve, particularly in, if I pick out consulting, uh, their utilization rates are significantly higher than they were a year ago, which is encouraging. So all these things added together, including the factors that Bjorn mentioned, should help us uh, evolve that EBITDA margin uh, into double digits within our, in, in line with our three-year plan. And are there any skill sets you're missing to win further deals in the public sector? So we, we historically, um, we've been very good at partnering with other organisations where we have had skill sets that we don't retain. And largely that's what we've had to do over the past few months as we've taken on these large contracts and had to scale very rapidly. Um, so I wouldn't say there are particular skill sets that we would identify as being missing, but we are very open. You know, we look at a client, we look at their needs, and we're very open to working with within our teams, with our associate and contractor network, and with other businesses in order to deliver against those. So um, we're, we're happy to use the market and our ecosystems to deliver what clients need. And you've had some great wins in the public sector, but what's the strategy in commercial? Is it becoming more competitive? So in our commercial sector, it's currently, what's the percentage at the moment, sir? It's just below 10%. Just below 10% of our revenue. Um, we do have some really strong long-term clients, uh, particularly in our data and analytics business, data and insights business, apologies. Um, and so what we've done recently is uh, we've hired a managing partner uh, in commercial to focus on that sector. And that's both to deepen and develop relationships with our existing clients, but it's also to move to adjacent clients as well. Um, my belief is that there's a really good uh, transfer of skills and knowledge and experience between commercial and public sector. And so it's healthy to have both those elements in an organization. And that's one of the reasons why we've chosen to invest some of our business development um, capability in commercial. So we continue to build and develop the commercial sector. Um, in terms of, you talked a little bit, your, part of the question was around, is it more competitive? Um, the commercial sector, there, there are obviously lots of different facets to the commercial sector. Um, we have deep roots in relatively few businesses in the commercial sector, so we actually see an opportunity uh, to both expand those relationships and to move into adjacent businesses. And we think our offering is differentiated. So um, we're not really of a scale where those competitive challenges, are, we're really feeling those. Are there any more options to dispose of businesses and pay down debt? And what's your target balance sheet structure? So um, our disposals this year, as I said at the beginning, they were, they were really good businesses, uh, both Questers and TPX Norway. Um, the reason that we disposed of those businesses was primarily because of strategic fit, because we could see as we move forward uh, beyond this year that we've got an opportunity to accelerate this business and to grow it and to improve the margins. And the two businesses that we disposed of weren't really core to that. They didn't cover the same client base and they didn't cover the same areas. Um, as a byproduct of that, 
um, clearly in the case of Questers, that allowed us to pay down significant debt. But we do have a plan to uh, continue to reduce debt over time through operations. Do you want to talk to that? Yeah, person? that'll, I mean, a priority for me uh, is very much the management and reduction of that net debt number. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I think uh, we're targeting 11 to 12 million uh, by the end of the year from 12.8 million at the end of September. So further progression, really driven by the organic growth of the business. Um, from a covenant perspective, and in answer to the question about balance sheet structure, uh, with that priority goes managing that covenant. Uh, obviously, we, we had a lot of assistance, cooperation from our bankers, HSBC, in the early part of this year as we restructured that covenant uh, conditions. So they're now really based around two parameters of achieving a certain level of EBITDA and achieving a certain level of, of um, uh, liquidity on a monthly basis. We were comfortably uh, in line or above that uh, during the first half of the year, and we expect that to continue based on our, our forecasts. In the medium to longer term, when we return to uh, the historical covenants of two and a half times net debt to EBITDA, for example, which we expect to do at the back end of this year, early next. Once that's happened, uh, then we will continue to use the organic cash flow uh, thrown off by the businesses to reduce that net debt further. And I would expect um, that ratio to be hovering around somewhere between one times and one and a half times uh, in, a, in two years' time. That would be uh, the objective, which kind of goes hand in hand with the growth in the business and the growth in the profitability of the business that we've outlined in the three-year plan. Okay, hopefully, hopefully that answers the question. So we're not we've we've undertaken two disposals, which we're very pleased to have been able to do very quickly with the cooperation and management team involved. Uh, we don't have any further disposals planned. When you look at your margin targets over the next two years, how far through optimizing the group and the go-to-market delivery model are you? Okay, so I'm happy to talk a little bit more about that. So we've talked a little bit about the uh, point we set out in three years' time. Um, one answer to that question is that we will be forever optimising the group because one of the things we're doing is we're actually building, uh, particularly in the digital transformation business, a structure that allows that business to develop and optimise over time. Um, in terms of some of the levers we can pull now, so if we look at things like the permanent staff and contractor mix, um, it's currently just under 80%, 80-20. Um, that's actually a pretty good level to be at because it actually provides us with a bit of resilience um, and the ability to flex uh, the number of resources and the type of resources we have in the business, particularly where um, we're not clear whether we're going to need those uh, particular skill sets for very long periods of time. So that lever, which is an obvious lever to look at for improving uh, margin, um, we probably want to think quite carefully about how hard we want to pull that lever and how far we want to move um, on the staff and permanent and contractor mix. As I say, 80-20 feels about right. In terms of simplifying the business going forward, as we use the systems that have been developed now for the consulting business, which is largely about forward visibility and the ability to manage and plan and manage in that business across other business units, that will inevitably allow us to um, improve utilization by a few points and improve the effectiveness of those businesses as well. So it's very much a progressive thing. Um, the strategy that we've set out gets us to that uh, 10 to 12% EBITDA, adjusted EBITDA margin. 
at the end of the three-year plan. Um, we'll clearly take stock as we go along and we'll look for opportunities to improve the business further. And slightly related, do you foresee any further restructuring costs? And if so, what does this relate to? I think there'll be a continuing amount of restructuring cost. Um, as you saw, we did 700,000 in the uh, first half of the year, uh, which in itself was half the amount of a year ago. Um, I'd expect uh, probably the same amount again, give or take, in relation to the second half of the year, which would give one and a half million for the year as a whole. Uh, that relates to a number of different initiatives, uh, but primarily around improving our systems and capabilities uh, to support you know, operational improvement. So uh, a mix of things in that number. Uh, I, if I remember correctly, total restructuring costs last year were around 1.5 for the full year, so it'd be very much in line with that. And that's the end of questions. Do you have any closing remarks, Bian? Just to say uh, thank you very much for joining this webinar. Um, we are very pleased with the way that the teams have pulled together over the last six months. We're very pleased with the progress that's been made uh, to simplify and improve the business. Um, we feel we've got some momentum behind that, which is good. And we also feel we've got good momentum in our market as well. So um, we're, we're feeling that we've made good progress. Mm -hmm. uh, the teams have worked very hard and very diligently. Um, I'm also particularly proud of the fact that we have managed to do that whilst retaining that focus on doing good things and doing them in the right way. So the way we go about our work is very sort of people, places and planet conscious. Um, and we've managed to uh, sort of attract and retain really good staff in the process. So um, generally, um, we're very pleased with where we are at the half year. We know we've got another half year to complete and we're looking forward to coming back and reporting on our full year outturn. PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.